How's everybody doing today? Yeah. Well, you look good out there. Uh, I was just thinking, I, have, you, have you been watching the news this week? Anybody ever watch the news during the week? Nope. You know, I, I, I do now and then. I just, well, I, I check it every morning, all the headlines. But I was just thinking, this week, 49er fans are in mourning. <laughs> the Chiefs fans are all drunk. So I guess, I guess what we have here is Rams and Raiders fans and Chargers fans. It's supposed to be funny. I guess it wasn't. All right, anyway. Hey, we're going to dive into God's Word. Judges chapter 2, back in the Old Testament. Going to open the word of prayer, okay? Father, I pray today that you'll take your word and just make it plain before us. That you would take your word and use it as seed to be planted in our hearts and let it grow. And Father, show us how to let your word shape our lives as we look to the future. And everything you say to us today, today, we receive it and we put it to work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about heritage. Heritage. And I'll define that from Scripture in just a couple of minutes. I want to tell you a story from the Old Testament. It really begins at the end of Joshua's life, at the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua was the man who led Israel from the wilderness and helped them settle in the promised land. God used him to win a lot of battles. They saw a lot of amazing victories with God's hand upon him and upon Israel. And Joshua came down to the end of his life and he gave them a final message. You find it in Joshua 24. And he went back and he recounted the history of how they got from Egypt through the wilderness and then into the promised land. And he made it clear to the people, he said, look around you at all that we have, that that God has blessed us with, and realize we didn't do this all ourselves. God put it in our lives. God put it before us. And then he makes this statement to them. He says, today... As I'm getting old and I'm going to leave the scene before long, you need to make a decision what you're going to do with your lives, who you're going to serve. You can serve the real God or you can make idols for yourself and you can worship the gods of the people that we've driven out of this land. But then Joshua makes a statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people all with one voice said, we will serve the Lord also. And Joshua came back and said, look, if, if you really mean that, you've got to do it with all of your heart because God will know if we're not serious and sincere about this. And again, they raised their voices and they said, no, no, we will serve the Lord also. And so Joshua's life ends. We're going to skip forward into Judges, the next book in order in scripture and in chronological order judges chapter 2 verse 7 so the people served the lord all the days of joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived joshua those who had seen all the great works of the lord which he had done for israel so what joshua set before the people they agreed to they embraced it they lived it out for that generation Verse 10, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord 
nor the work which he had done for Israel. Think about that. One generation served the Lord and knew the Lord in his works. The next generation did not know the Lord or his works. And notice what happens next, verse 11. Then the children of Israel, the next generation, did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals or the Baals, depending on how you want to pronounce it. They served idols, the gods of the land that they had taken over. Verse 12, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. They bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. And my question today is, how could all this happen in just one generation? How could one generation serve the Lord with all their hearts and see his mighty hand at work in their lives and in their nation? But then the next generation, when that generation had died, the next generation didn't know God or what God could do in their lives. How could that happen? Today, as I talk about heritage, I'm going to break this message into two parts. The first part is really knowledge. It's information. And then the second part is, how do we apply this information? So today, as I talk about heritage, I want to talk to you about the value and the importance of children. Last week, we talked about marriage and family. It was God's plan from the beginning. Today, I'm going to take one step forward and go from marriage and talk a little bit about our heritage, our children. I'm going to read from Psalms 127. Here's what verse 3 says. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. Let me take two words out of that verse and talk for a few minutes about the importance of children. You see, I think sometimes... We don't see children as we should. I think sometimes we look at children and we see them as a headache, a problem. I was in a grocery store the other day and I heard all this noise and all this racket and I saw this woman pushing a stroller around and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what's this kid doing? And I I happened to be going down that aisle and as I got closer, I realized it wasn't a woman and her child, it was a woman and her little dog. And... (laughs) And so I I had to repent for what I thought because it wasn't about the child. It was about the woman that that had the dog in the cart. But but here's the point I want to make. We see children in a lot of ways. We see them as precious. We see them as a gift. We see them as a nuisance. We see them as a responsibility and a constant burden. We see them with dollar signs in our eyes and how much it costs to raise them today. We see children in a lot of ways. But we need to see children as God sees children. And the psalmist said children are a heritage from the Lord. The word heritage means something you inherit. So what the psalmist was saying was children are something that is our inheritance from God. Now, if you think about inheritance, what would you like to inherit? 
How many, how many vote for millions? Millions sounds good, okay? You know, how many vote for houses and lands and cars and boats? Oh, I'd like to inherit. God says, you know what? I want to keep this whole thing going from the beginning of time. Husband, wife, children. I want to keep propagating that and moving it forward. So my gift to you is children. That's your heritage from me. That's the future. You see, we need to see children as heritage. And the other word in that verse is that the fruit of the womb is a reward. Reward means a payment of a contract. It means a salary. It means the maintenance. And what God is saying is, I will bless families. When husbands and wives come together, I will bless them. And I will give them children so the next generation can carry my blessing forward. But if that's going to happen, we have to see those children as God sees them. You see, God established the plan of marriage and family. And then he gives children as a gift to continue and reproduce his order in society. But if we don't see children properly, we can mishandle and mismanage children. Children come from God, then they come from us. Think about that. Children come from God. They're the heritage, the reward of the Lord, and then they come to us, and then we give birth to children. And we need to see them that way so children have value because they bear the image of god just as you and i bear the image of god they come from god they are precious in the sight of god they are so valuable that god says they're the future to continue what i've started in the earth but then they're also important they're not just valuable they're important Read the next verse in this psalm, Psalms 127, verses 4 and 5. Notice what it says. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Think about that analogy. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Verse 5 says, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Some of us didn't get a quiver full. We only got a couple. Pastor Zach's working on the full quiver. All right, he's going to have a he's going to have a lot of arrows at his at his rate. But notice this: happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed or embarrassed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, let me tell you why children are important in the eyes of God. First of all, God said they're like arrows. What are arrows? Well, to a warrior, arrows are weapons of warfare. Arrows are what are what were used to shape the battle and turn the battle and bring victory to armies. Arrows in the hand of a warrior can bring victory in battle, and children in the hands of godly parents can shape the future. Think about that. Children in the hands of godly parents can shape the future. Let me say it this way. Children in the hands of godly families can shape the future. And then he talks about the gates. These children won't be ashamed in the gates. 
In the Old Testament, the gates of the city were where entrance came and exit came. You had to come in and out of the gates, and they had these great walls around these cities. Everything that came into the city and went out of the city was controlled by the gates. And when the elders and the leaders of the city were to have meetings, they would gather at the gates because their decisions were going to affect the entire community. So they had to make wise decisions. What the Lord was saying was, if you raise your children correctly, they will be the one who will make wise decisions in the future. They won't be ashamed. They won't feel like they're nobodies. But their voices will be heard because there will be wisdom coming from their mouths. And they will know how to stand against the enemy. If there ever was a time when we needed to specifically, intentionally, set our lives to raise children in a godly way to stand against the enemy, this is the day and this is the hour. The time's here. The time is here. And you know, I was thinking about this. Did you know that arrows don't grow on trees? Money doesn't grow on trees either. That's what you thought I was going to say. Arrows don't grow on trees. Arrows are tree branches that have been shaved and shaped and molded into an intended image. And part of what God's saying here is your children are important. So you need to figure out how do I trim them and mold them and shape them to be what God wants them to be. How do I do that? You see, ultimately... Our children need to bear not just our image, but the image of God. Let me me say that a little bit differently. You look at children, you know. I look at my grandkids sometimes, and I stare at them and stare at them. I try to figure, how do they, do they look like me? Do they not look like me? Do they look like their dad or their mom? Or, you know, they got this feature and that feature. And I'm like, whose image do they bear? You know, ultimately, we need to raise our children not to bear our image, but to bear the image of God. That people, when they come to the end of their lives, say, you know what? They're a lot like Jesus. That's our goal as parents. And it needs to be our first goal in raising children. So how can a nation like Israel lose its way in just one generation? They did it by removing the influence of God and godly morality. How can you remove godly morality from a nation? By doing nothing. It's quiet in here today. By doing nothing. By failing to teach the next generation. By not teaching them the ways of God. By ignoring our role in shaping our children's hearts and minds and futures. By turning their moral education and training over to other people. That's how we lose an entire generation. We don't carry our responsibilities. You know why our nation is such, in such a mess today? How many of you know we, we got a mess in our nation? It, it, so much division, so much hatred, so much anger. You know why that is? It's because we've got an entire generation that's arisen, and they don't know God, and they don't know his ways. That's why it's happening. Now, before I go into the second part of this message, let me say this. I don't expect this kind of message to be embraced by all of society. 
but it must be embraced by the church because if not, we risk losing the next generation. So I've given you some information. Now let me show you how we apply this to our lives. I'm going to talk for a few minutes about the privilege and the honor that we have in raising God's children. They're God's children first, then they're my children. They're our children. I want to talk about three responsibilities we have in raising godly children. And by the way, this is not a new battle. This is not something that started last week. This has been going on since the beginning of time. Every generation has to figure out how do we fight this battle. But we cannot send our children out to battle unprepared knowing how to stand. Let me give you three things. Number one, God expects us to teach our children. God expects parents, grandparents, families to teach their children. God expects it. What is teaching? Teaching is transferring information to them, filling their minds and their hearts with moral thinking, with God's word. You see, a lot of us raise children, all we do is just give them rules and regulations, rules and regulations, rules and regulations. We can't just give them ordinances. We have to explain to them why these ordinances are in place. We have to help them understand that blessing comes from knowing and walking in the ways of God. But we have to teach that to children. So we need to teach them to know the Lord and to know his word. One of my goals with my boys, I have two sons, one of my goals with my two sons is for them, when they get my age, to know more than I know about a lot of things, but especially about God and his word. That's one of my goals. I don't want them to lag behind me. I want to give them everything that I know, and then when my day comes to go and Joshua's gone and the next generation arises, I want the next generation to know God and his ways. So I'm trying to teach my children. But I need to teach them how to think morally according to Scripture and the Word of God. You see, if we don't teach morality to our children, people will teach them immorality. That's what's happening in our land. We're teaching immorality and say, well, morality is whatever you want it to be. Let me tell you something. If you want to know what morality is, open the book. It's in there. It's clear. Okay? God's, not, God's not weird about it. He said this is what's right and this is what's wrong. But here's the thing. We need to teach our children what is right. And we also need to teach them what is wrong. We need to teach them why it's right. And we need to teach them why it's wrong. Did you know in several places in Scripture, we're told that as we follow God, we learn to hate evil and love good? There's a lot of evil in our land today, and we don't play with it. As parents, we shouldn't be playing with evil. And with our children, we shouldn't be allowing them to play with evil. We should teach them to push evil away and say, no, I want nothing to do with it. That's part of a responsibility of a parent, is teaching children what's right and teaching them What's wrong? As we teach our children, we also need to be sharing our experiences in God. 
How many people in the house, and I I need your help here, okay? I really do. How many people in the house can lift a hand and say, boy, God's done some great things in my life? Let me see your hands. Have you told your children what God's done in your life? Have you told them over and over again until they get it and understand it and know if I follow God, good things will happen in my life? See, there arose a generation who didn't even know that God was good. Why? Because parents failed to transfer their faith to their children. We're not going to allow that to Bridge Church. We're going to teach faith to our children. We're going to teach them. We're going to train them. And, and can I just go one step further? Like the old guy said, I'm going to get in the kitchen today, okay? I'm going to get in your kitchen for just a minute here. We say this all the time. The average Christian in America now goes to church less than one time a month. That's average. And you all are way above average because some of you are here one and a half times a month, okay? (laughs) I'm joking. But I want you to get this. People say, well, I take my kids to church. They'll teach them the ways of God. Do you really think one hour every five weeks is going to change a child's life? When they are bombarded with immorality all week long from every angle? Here it is, folks. We're not here to save your children. We're here to reinforce what you're doing at home. That's that's it. That's it. We will reinforce it. We will agree. We will teach them more as much as we can. But it is moms and dads, moms and dads, let me reverse that, dads and moms' responsibilities to teach their children the ways of God. And I'll just say it, okay, I don't, I don't know how the best way to say it. I don't want to offend anybody. But do you know where a lot of amazing things happen in our walk with God? A lot of them happen in God's house. Don't minimize the importance of God's house in your life or in your child's life. We walk into this building today, we start worshiping, and the presence of God is here. Let me tell you something. From the time I was a little boy, I was in a church where we sensed the presence of God and we knew he was real. Our children need to know God's presence is in his house, and when we come to God's house, we celebrate his goodness, we learn his ways, and we go out empowered to walk with him and live with him. We need to be teaching that to our children. It's important. There's a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, Hosea 4, verse 6. God said, my people are destroyed, which literally means they're dumb, they're silent. Dumb means they can't speak. I don't mean dummies. There's a B in there, D-U-M-B. They can't speak, they're silent, they fail, and they perish for lack of knowledge. He said, my people perish because they don't know. And he said, the worst thing is, We ignore God's knowledge and we don't get it and we don't pass it on to the next generation. And the next generation, and this is in scripture, the next generation comes along. They don't have that knowledge. They don't have that understanding. So they totally walk away from God and God says, as a result, I can't work in their lives because they don't trust me and believe me. Because of a lack of knowledge. You see, the question for society today is, Will the next generation know the Lord and his works? But the personal question in this house today is, will our children know the Lord and his works?
Will our children know? As I look at these scriptures, I stop and I realize that we have got to continually be looking for teaching moments with our children. Deuteronomy 11, the Old Testament, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it and put it in today's language. Deuteronomy 11 says, when your kids get out of bed in the morning and the alarm goes off, you need to start talking to them about the goodness of the Lord. You need to start teaching them. As they're eating breakfast, you need to teach them. As you're driving them to school, you need to teach them. When you pick them up from school, you need to teach them. When you drive them to softball practice, you need to be teaching them. When you drive them to dance rehearsal, you need to be teaching them. When you're driving them home, you need to be teaching them. During dinner, you need to be teaching them. When you go to bed at night, you need to be teaching them. You say, well, I can't do that all day long. Look for moments. Look for what they're saying. Listen to them. Correct their perspective on things and give them God's word and teach them what God says about every aspect of life. That's our responsibility. Look for teaching moments. So number one, we need to teach. Number two, God expects us to model godliness and morality for our children. We've got to model it. You know, confusion will rule in our children's minds if our walk doesn't align with our talk. When I was a kid, used to hear this all the time. Do as I say, not as I do. Children are probably going to do what you do. Not as you say, they're going to do what they see you doing. So if we're going to teach them morality, we have to model morality for them. And let me just give you a couple thoughts here. When I was young in ministry, the first church I really worked in in pastoral ministry, when I started working with them, the leaders of the church made a statement to me. They said, you know what? Through the years, we've had several youth pastors and yet, none of our youth follow through and stay in church and serve the Lord. What's wrong? Why can't we get a good youth pastor? So one night, I'm with the youth. And so I thought, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. And I asked them the question, and I had to ask it three or four different ways. But here's what I asked them. How are your parents' lives as Christians different than your neighbor's who are not Christians. And I asked it three or four ways, and every child said, there's no difference in the way we live. So one night when one of our leaders was complaining, I told them what the children told me. Let me tell you something, parents. Your children are watching you. They want to know, do you live what you tell them to live? If you're teaching them right and wrong and morality, are you walking it out? We must model godly morality. Second thing, and boy, this is really important today. We also need to be modeling kindness, the nature of Jesus. I know, I know there's a world out there that hates God. I know that. There are people that just hate God and hate his ways and they're so nasty and you Christians are horrible. So what do we do? We get up and say, well, you're worse than we are because you're sinners. And we go, 
and we fail to understand the nature of Jesus. We've got to model some kindness along the way. Well, I hope this gets in people's hearts today. If our attitude towards people, if our attitudes are nasty, our children are going to be nasty. As a matter of fact, if our attitudes are nasty, the next time they're mad at you, they're going to be nasty with you. Because they're learning from mom and dad by watching what we do, not just listening to what we say. We need to model kindness. But we also need to be modeling spirituality. And by that, let me define that for you. Kids need to learn how to pray from mom and dad. Not the pastors at church. Kids need to learn how to pray from mom and dad. Well, I don't know how to pray. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Go back and listen to the message. It's so simple. It will open up your eyes and realize, well, I can do that. You can. Kids need to learn to pray from mom and dad. They also need to learn the importance of God's word from mom and dad. If they don't see you taking this word and learning this word and applying it to your lives, it'll mean nothing to them. It's just words. We need to model spirituality. Something else we need to model, we need to model praise to God. I'll tell you part of a story real quick. I'm running out of time. I've got to hurry. At a family in our church the other day, they were driving somewhere in the car, and they were, they were going through some specific stuff, which we'll be sharing in a few weeks. But they were about to have a major victory, and they're driving down the road, and the, the wife and two of the kids are in the car, and they're just yelling to the top of their voices, praising God for the miracle he's working in their lives. And when I heard that, I thought, you know how many people are afraid to say praise God in front of their kids? If, let me ask you one more time. Has God done anything amazing in your life? Then you need to praise God in front of your kids and get them to join in and realize, I'm involved in this too. Amen. We need to model this spirituality. And then the third thing we teach, we model, last thing is, God expects us to mold and help shape our children. You know, I told you a few minutes ago, arrows don't grow on trees. They take branches and they shape those arrows into arrows. We need to mold our children's lives. Now, listen to what I'm going to tell you, because this is really important with the children. We must protect our children. We must protect our children. Protect their hearts protect their minds. We must protect our children. As parents, it's a part of our responsibility to them and to God. We must protect our children. Grandparents, let's help protect our children. Aunts and uncles, let's help protect our children. Let's teach our children that there are things out there that will harm them, and they need to be aware of those things. So let's help protect them. Second thing, parents, we need to set boundaries for them. I didn't say we need to encourage them to set boundaries. I said we need to set boundaries for them. Amen. See, I got grandpas in the house saying amen because they know. <laughs> Eight-year-old kids are not capable of setting proper boundaries in their lives. And I didn't pick eight for a reason. I just picked it because it wasn't nine or seven. Uh, it, but little kids aren't capable of knowing where the guardrails need to be. Some want to stay real close to mom and dad. Some want to run out in the street. Well, you need to pull those kids in out of the street and explain to them you don't do that. 
As they get older, they need boundaries in many more areas of their lives. We must protect our children by helping set boundaries for them. Did you know I was once a kid? I know it's hard to believe. Did you know the enemy leads kids astray through wrong relationships? You need to know your children's friends, know who they're playing with, who they're hanging out with, and what they're learning from those people. It's just common sense. Did you know the enemy builds strongholds in children's minds through the things they hear and they see? As parents, it's our responsibility to know what our children are listening to and what they're seeing. I don't care what society is doing. I don't care what the neighbors are doing. I don't care what pop culture is doing. I know what God's Word says. And when pop culture begins to violate the principles of God's Word, my kids are going to be pulled out of it. And, and, he's, and he's 43 years old and I'm still working on him. Just kidding. It's his brother that I, actually I'm keeping an eye on. Children aren't capable to know what they should and shouldn't be listening to. They take it all in. It gets in their minds. It gets in their hearts. And the enemy builds strongholds even when they're young. Then the last part of this message, we mold them also by correcting and disciplining them. Use the word discipline. And for some people, it's a dirty word. Can I tell you? Can I summarize this whole section in one part? Can I tell you the biggest mistake I see parents making today? They want children to be their buddy and their friend rather than them being the parent and showing them the way. They don't want to hurt their feelings. They don't want to make them mad. They don't know what to do if they get mad in the grocery store. So therefore, I'm just going to let them go and try to keep them happy all the time. As a result, children are not being disciplined and they're not learning correction. Grandparents, come on, let me hear it. See, I'm, I'm, I'm talking. I told you I was going to get in the kitchen. Now I'm getting in the pantry. (laughs) Ephesians 6, now get this. Ephesians 6, Paul wrote and said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Can you imagine taking a child and saying, Okay, now, the Bible says you're supposed to obey me, so I'm going to trust you to obey me. What he's saying is, and he refers back to the Old Testament. Did you know one of the Ten Commandments is children honor your parents? It doesn't say children like your parents. It doesn't even say children love your parents. It says children honor your parents. Well, where are they going to learn that? You think God's going to teach them that if parents don't? What God was saying was, parents, you need to teach your children to honor you because you're the place where they're going to learn authority and understand authority. This is really good. Don't interrupt me yet. I'm I'm kidding. I'm on a roll here. I'm just kidding. You go ahead and play. See, we must carry our weight. Zach mentioned God's glory. It's his weight. We must carry our weight, our presence, into our children's lives and then teach them to respect and honor our weight and our presence. Our children must learn the weight 
and the presence of authority at home. And we must help them understand all the days of their life, they're going to be under somebody's authority, and you have to learn to respect it and honor it. And what the Bible teaches is if you learn to honor and respect authority, it makes your life a whole lot easier. Dads, if you go and study, you can find all the statistics online from different studies. A majority of the men in prison are there today because they've never had dads in their lives. They never learned authority at home. Dads, you need to be setting the line in a loving, kind, correcting, disciplinary way. You know how God disciplines us? You know why he disciplines us? He doesn't beat us until we can't walk and can't crawl. That's not what God does. God corrects us and disciplines us to get us on the right path. That's our role as parents. We may understand the implications of authority. The question is, are we teaching, modeling, and molding this into our children's lives? And after we teach and model and mold our children, we release them into their God-given identity, God-given gifts, and the purpose to which God's called them. Children are the heritage of the Lord. God asks us to raise our children to bear His image, not just ours. Closing today, I want to pray for families. I want to pray for parents. We'll even have a few kids. I want to pray for kids even today. You know what? I, I know it's hard to raise kids. It's difficult. And I think with each passing generation, they're getting bombarded more and more and more. Parents, children are God's heritage to shape the future. We can touch the future by raising our kids in a godly manner. Bow your heads. I want to pray today. Father, Thank you for people. Thank you for people who open their hearts. They want to know your word. They want to learn it. Thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for the privilege of sharing your word today. God, I pray for every family represented here today. Moms, dads, grandpas, grandmas, kids. God, I know the family is under attack today. Every family is being challenged and I know there's a whole immoral system out there trying to pull our children away from you. But God, I pray for wisdom, for knowledge, for grace, for strength to listen to you and to shape our children, to teach them, to model for them, and then to mold them into what you've created them to be. Father, we've only hit highlights in this message today, but I pray that you would use every one of these points and touch our hearts and show us as families, moms and dads together, how we raise our children to know you. And God, I pray for those who are going through tough times, those who are going through times of rebellion, those who are overwhelmed with the weight that they carry. I pray your blessing and grace would come upon them and you would strengthen them and give them wisdom how to manage their homes and families in a godly way. So we open our hearts God, we know when you call us to something and you give us a responsibility, you'll give us a grace to carry it out. So we trust you and follow you today. Lead us, teach us, train us as we teach and train in Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed, one last thing. 
maybe you're here today and regardless of where you came from how you got here maybe you're just here and you're thinking wow does god really care about our families and homes absolutely is god concerned about my family yes i need god's help how do i get god's help it begins with us acknowledging him and open our hearts and asking for his help so i want to lead you in a prayer right now it's just a simple prayer it says god come into my life i need you today i want to lead you in a prayer and i want to ask you to just wrap your faith around these words and let my prayer be yours today god we come to you today and we ask for your help first of all we need your help in our individual lives so we confess to you that we've never drawn close we've been far from you we chose our own way and at times we've even rebelled against you but god we ask for your forgiveness today we believe that jesus is the son of god who died for our sins and paid the price that we could come into relationship with you so we trust jesus to be our savior then we ask jesus and we ask your word to begin to become the way and the lord of our lives teach us your ways your principles show us how to walk with you how to know you even with situations in the family and home god i give every area of my life to you and i ask that you'd come and be my god from this moment forward i'll be your child thank you for loving me and calling me into your family today i pray all of this in jesus name amen very last thing if you prayed that prayer today we want to help you get started walking with god at the end of the service there are going to be prayer teams here at the front of the building they're here to pray with anyone for any need but they have these little booklets they're just simple tools to help you get started walking with god we'd love for you to come forward today and just say hey can i get the booklet we'll give it to you right there no strings attached if you want prayer or you want some counseling about something or you got questions come forward they can help you with that if you're in a really big rush as you leave the building out in the lobby there is an info center you can stop by there they'll give you the same booklet there we simply want to help you get started walking with god can we welcome new believers into god's family today hey just before you go i want to say one last thing god bless you i want you to have a great week ladies don't forget about friday night get registered it's going to be a great night we will see you Friday night or next Sunday. Have a great week.